freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it on to our children in the bloodstream. The only way they can inherit the freedom we have known is if we fight for it, protect it, defend it, and then hand it to them with the well-taught lessons of how they in their lifetime must do the same. And if you and I don't do this, then you and I may well spend our sunset years telling our children and our children's children what it once was like in America when men were free. Hey, everybody, welcome to episode number 352 of Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. We are brought to you by azfirearms.com auctions, where you set the price on guns, ammo, and accessories. I am one of your hosts, Cheryl Todd. And I'm the other guy, Dan Todd. Our theme today is Bleeding Blue, and our guest is Kevin Jackson. Kevin is a creator, director, movie producer, best-selling author, and nationally syndicated show host. He has founded, he is the founder and CEO of the Kevin Jackson Network. (laughs) In the wake of the anti-police narrative that exploded (laughs) in the summer of 2020, Kevin funded and produced the film Bleeding Blue to offer a voice to the men and women who served in law enforcement. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Look, uh, just stop it. No, no, don't stop it. Stop it. Stop it. <laughs> exactly. Like, no more. I can't no take more, it. No more. Please but... more. No, just stop, please. Well, you know, actually, you're... you're just, I feel like I am slacking here. You are a busy dude. I need to step it up. Oh, my God. I, look, don't even start. You've been all over the country. Your husband was just telling me yet he's seen you for four hours in a month, which, by the way, is the secret to a happy marriage. Yeah, it's not such a bad right? thing. Bingo. <laughs> Bingo. So we have titled the show today, Bleeding Blue, because yeah. I borrowed from your new film that you have just put together called Bleeding Blue. We see it there in the background uh, with the badge. Please talk to us about what this uh, movie is about and how did it come together? Was there a specific flashpoint for you? that you said, I need to help tell these stories of law enforcement officers or was yeah. it a culmination? So God, you know, I, I here's the thing I want to say to the audience right now. I don't want to over talk this and, and I got to leave room for Cheryl and Dan to, to talk back with me, but this is an amazing film. And one of my benefactors, a very wealthy guy. He said to me, Kevin, will you write a book? This is during the Ferguson stuff. He says, Kevin, will you write a book on policing in America, you know, and how we can help bridge the gap between black tweens and the police? And I said, no, not writing a book, man. I go, I'm booked out. Now we were going to do this book with a group that uh, ladies that he wanted me to work with that he'd been funding. And it got so expensive and it was so cumbersome. And I just finally said, look, I don't want to write a book, but I will make a movie. And he said to me, you're going to make a movie? I said, yeah. He goes, you ever made a movie? I go, no, but Hollywood can do it. So if idiots can do it, I can do it. (laughs) So I made this movie. And but here's what where the luck comes in. So Kenny Latimer, my director, was already filming police type activities and stuff along the film. So 
I told him, hey, look, I'm thinking about doing this. He goes, hey, man, I got all this footage. What do you think? And he says, I think the arc is around uh, Ferguson. I said, no, that's not the arc. The arc is around when Obama, um, the Gates deal. Mm -hmm. So we reset the arc. We added a story in between. It's really slick. A guy that sets up very similarly to Michael Brown. They called him the gentle giant. Mm -hmm. And he gets killed, brutally, brutally murdered. And so that's sort of the beginning of the film. But I'm telling you, what we end up telling about this film is, how the media impacts, forget policing, just in general, how they put worm. And we all know at this point, because Trump calls it fake news. We all know it to be fake news. We've, we've experienced it probably firsthand. I know I certainly have. We've got cancel culture. Now we've got defund the police. Why? Over what? Over nonsense. And, and then we've got this pop culture element that really in the film, you, you forget. You, so anyway, we went to all these hot zones because we wanted the people to see that the police are running into these hot zones. They're not running away from it. Mm -hmm. And I got it. So Kenny has this footage. We now reset the arc and we start to do it. So I'd been on a fishing trip with Sorbo and Kevin's like, hey, man, let's do, do some work together. OK, fine. Well, I called him. I said, hey, man, you want to be a part of this film that we're doing? He goes, well, I got to get through SAG and all that. So I said, well, the way we'll get around SAG is we'll give you a piece of the film. No problem. So he became our narrator. And now he's a, a tremendous spokesperson because we're now showing it all over the country. And at a few of these events we're going to be doing, Kevin will actually show up. So that was the impetus. But I'm telling you, this film, and I, I don't want to oversell it because people will think, you know, Kevin, it's your baby and nobody thinks their baby's ugly. <laughs> <laughs> but it really is that good that I have a trophy on the back. I don't know if you guys can see it because we win award after award every time we submit this film to a festival. Oh, but wow. the biggest win is when people stand up like what happened recently in Scottsdale. I know you guys were traveling and they they standing ovation, you know, about this film. Every time we show it to an audience, I get a standing ovation. People come out, say it's the best it's not a documentary, it's a docudrama because we have reenactments and things like this, but it's spectacular. And the impetus was very simple. The lie being told about policing. So that's a long way to get to that answer, Cheryl. <laughs> well, I, I think it's a tremendous undertaking. And at the time that you're, you're doing this, there's such a polarization, right? People that are you know, absolutely. They think that if you wear a uniform, that you're doing it for all the wrong reasons. And there's, right. there's nobody that was ever, has ever served uh, wearing a, a, a law enforcement uniform that has done it, you know, as a higher calling. And then there are other people that, you know, they, they understand what the families go through. And it's like in the military, it's not just the person who's serving the whole family. Oh, sure. Serves. Right. Yeah. Well, it's funny you mentioned military because a lot of the police officers are ex-military. And one of the guys he talks about it in the film, he says, man, I'm, I'm in the Navy. You know, he goes, I'm out in harm, theoretically in harm's way, practically bored to death. And he goes, I'm watching TV back home about stuff going on in my hometown. And it's more action on the police force than I'm getting in the military. <laughs> and so he goes, crazy. I became a cop. Another one of our uh, one of the things we talk about is it, you mentioned it's a calling mm -hmm. there. Are, one guy says my dad was my granddad was a cop. I was a cop. 
my twin brother is a cop. <laughs> you know, my yes. my uh, uh, daughter is a cop. I mean, he gives you lineage of cops in his family. And he tells, a, I'm not going to spoil it, but he talks about one of the scenes he goes on that you just, you can't, you, you're going to cry when you see it. Another guy was Sammy Davis Jr.'s drummer, and he quit <laughs> to be a cop. Holy cow. I oh, mean, wow. can you imagine you're performing with one of the Rat Pack in its heyday? And you tell your family, I'm not going to drop for Sammy Davis anymore. I just want to be a cop. You know, guys, he's 18 years old, 19 years old. And he, he leaves what would be a dream job for any kid. Yeah. Because he wants to be a cop. So it, I got to tell you, touching on so many levels. But why? Why are we having to make this film? Which, by the way, people say it's a pro cop film. Well, then tell me why I talked about dirty cops. Mm-hmm. And on the director's cut, which we'll come out with here in a bit, we had we interviewed a guy. He called himself the mafia cop. And oh. he says in the interview, I was your worst enemy. I worked for the mob and I wow. was a cop. So we have a lot of footage that's still left to see. And it wasn't meant to be some you know, puff piece for policing. We talk about bad cops. We have, we have a series of scenes in there that will show you what a bad, a bad cop can make your life miserable. But we also show you when cops, you know, accidentally shoot people, mm-hmm. uh, you know, what they go through and how harrowing it is and all of it. I mean, there's hardly anything left untouched mm-hmm. when, when you're done. And and I'm telling you, anybody that sees this film, you will fall in love with with the film and you'll you'll think I'm the black Spielberg. <laughs> I love all right. It. I love it. I cannot wait to see it. I am kicking myself. I had the chance, as you said, to go to one of the premieres in Scottsdale, Arizona, at one of our most beautiful theaters. Oh, this is gorgeous. And doggone, I don't even remember where I was. I think was I was in Capri? Dallas. Was it Cine Capri? It was, yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and it was one of, you, you know this, guys, it's that old throwback theater with the curtains. Yeah. And they opened the curtains up and did the whole deal. It, it yeah. was you know, as a, as a kid of that age category, it was amazing to see it. But, but, but honestly, the the outpouring of people, people would people stood up, guys, and they were like, Kevin, holy! One guy was like, "Holy cow, he's a filmmaker," and he goes, "Man, I thought it was going to be good, but I didn't know it was going to be that good." Wow. And he goes, "I can firmly recommend this." I have groups come, coming up to me going, we want to show this film. But, you know, I had politicians saying we want to use it, you know, for fundraisers and show it el- elsewhere, et cetera, et cetera. And that's what happens. But and, and, and here, here's probably the most ironic thing that I can tell you about this film. So I was talking to somebody. I think they were a potential donor. I can't remember. And, uh, no, no, it was a potential sponsor for one of the locations. And I'm talking to the management team and I said, now, listen, um, I want to make sure that there's not going to be any blowback Mm -hmm. on you for supporting a film that defends the police. And the marketing executive said, I know, Kevin, you're right. You're right. Now, I've made this film that tells the truth about policing, good and bad, mostly Mm -hmm. good, Mm -hmm. but some bad. And we're having to apologize. It's like a teacher in silhouette trying to be a whistleblower because they don't want to teach critical race theory you know they have to be you know face covered and in in a, behind the curtain you know i'm talking to you in a, in a disguised voice because they want to tell you that they don't want to teach racism in school right we are in weird bizarro upside down land <laughs> and you know we can't just it seems 
for the most part, just watch something, see two opinions, you know, two divergent ideas about something. Like you said, you've, you've portrayed, you know, amazing police officers who are doing all the right things for all the right reasons. And then officers calling themselves the mafia cop, good heavens, right. you know, and then be able to, you know, come to a, a conclusion on our own without having to apologize that we even would watch such a film and even entertain ideas of, you know, one thing or the other. Um, well, that sort of segues into, I started a site that's like a challenger to Netflix. Uh, it's called the Flick Fest. And the reason I did it was because of the problems I had marketing my own film. Yeah. So Hollywood goes, well, first of all, I had theaters when we were just trying to four wall it, which means you're, you're going to pay the full freight to get a film into a theater, which Hollywood. So just to give people an example, a theater might cost you $3,500 to $5,000 to rent. This was back when we first four walled it. But if you're Michael Moore and you want to get your, your film in a theater, it might cost you $500 a theater just to put it in perspective. That's cute. So at the time when we did Bleeding Blue back in 2018 and we four walled it, I sold out every theater. We sold out so many times that when I was at the Regal Theater in St. Louis, the manager comes out and goes, what is this film? Because it was packed. And it, I, here's what I can guarantee you. I had more people in the seats than all the other films combined that weekend. And I paid wow. full freight. Michael Moore released his last documentary at that time. And I, I probably beat him nationwide. And I was only in six theaters. Wow. So now that was number one. So number you pay a lot more. Number two, in Portland, Lars Larson radio host wanted to show it there. The Portland theater we wanted to show it at, the guy told me, I'm not going to show it. I don't like it. Distributors. We talked to distributors. We said, we, at the time, I said, I could probably get a funder that might give me a million dollars to distribute it. The guy goes, I wouldn't care if you gave me $2 million. I'm not distributing it because he didn't want to be blacklisted in Hollywood. Wow. Paul Gosar, our congressman said, Kevin, I love this film. I want to show it at the Congressional Theater on Capitol Hill. So we, we tried to put it there. They came back after months of delays. They said, well, it has to be tied to legislation. No other film they've shown had to be tied to legislation. So Paul, Congressman Gosar, sponsored legislation that, you know, pro-cop legislation, just so we could get over that little speed bump. Nancy Pelosi said, we're not going to show it anyway. Wow. So when I tell you Hollywood had a stranglehold, mm -hmm. so just so everybody understands how I work, mm -hmm. I was undaunted. I said, okay, fine. I'll, first of all, I'm going to put it on its own site and stream it, mm -hmm. which is bleedingbluemovie.com. Mm -hmm. Then I'm going to build a social media site for filmmakers like me where we never have to go to Hollywood again. So I built the FlickFest, which has 600 movies on it, and it's five bucks a month. But I want to change. If Hollywood is going to try to take something away from me, I'm going to give them a competitor. Mm -hmm. Will we succeed? Conservatives can help me and yes. figure it out. But here's what I'll tell you. I'm going to solve the problem. Yes. And the problem that was happening in policing was they were lying. They said cops were out hunting black people, which is a lie. Right. Just so people are aware, the American Indian, the Native American is the most targeted per capita of any ethnic group. Black people are number four. 
Next to the American Indian or the Native American are white people, then Hispanics, then Blacks. So this, you know, hands up, don't shoot, and the fist raising that, that Kaepernick did was all BS. If anybody had a legitimate reason, and they don't even have a legitimate one, it would be the Native American. Because as I said, they per capita get stopped and killed more than any other ethnic group. So I wanted to tell the truth about it. And I'm telling you the truth about Hollywood. Now, I hope thousands of people that watch this great show go out and get signed up for the Flick Fest because it's not about just my film. It's not about enriching me. It's about changing pop culture. Hollywood should not be able to pick the winners and losers. Theater owners should not be able to say, I'm going to take your film or I'm not going to take your film. I made a great film. Mm-hmm. And I, I, asked, I told this theater owner, I said, do, do you ask Spielberg about the content of his films or do you just play them? So yeah. th- that's sort of a little bit of, you know, behind the scenes, behind the scenes, dirty laundry that people may not be aware of. Well, well Kevin, I'm love- going, I, I would Go tell you, we are going to subscribe mm-hmm. and I'll tell you why I'm going to subscribe because when Hollywood says you can't, <laughs> then that's when I say you can. Yeah. Let me tell and you, we will, we will be there. I so appreciate that. But let me tell you, my best message <clears throat> I ever got, well, I've gotten a couple, but I had a guy, he said to me, he sent me a note when, cause we advertised the flick fest on my show. And he sends me a note. He says, Kev, he goes, man, I don't even watch movies. <laughs> he goes, but I'm signing up because you're doing it. I want to support you. And I want Hollywood to have a lesson. So let me just take it to its logical conclusion. And you guys are aware of this already. Look at the Oscars, look at the Tonys, look at the Golden Globes, anything associated with entertainment. And you want to see what their numbers are doing for their their specials? Down, down, down. They've lost audience the same way football has and basketball, all these woke you know, people that want to pretend that they care about black folks or whatever the cause is. They're all losing. So I said, I want people to picture just a second, the Flick Fest being on par with Netflix, creating our own stories and narratives and telling stories. I don't care, you know, again, I'm not here to pick winners and losers, but I don't think Supergirl needs to be gay or Superman in this case needs to be bisexual. I think that Superman can be Superman and and he can be a hero to young men, not young bisexual men. And so I wanted an, a, a place where people told honest stories, whether you agree, I, I'm not into horror, but there are people that have horror films on my, on my site that make good films. So I wanted to give these people a chance. And, and more importantly, I wanted us to, to, as conservative movement to look at step one. If you want to change Hollywood, get in their wallet. That's yes. number one. And if you do that in, tw- in five years from now, I'm giving out awards, not to a bunch of sanctimonious, spoiled brats who think Oscar's so white or who want to talk about global warming or some other nonsense, but I'm giving it to people who, who love their art yeah. and, and I'm giving them awards that mean something, you know, not these fake Nobel Peace Prizes and Pulitzer Prizes for, for bad journalism. So that's what I want. And if we do this, Hollywood is going to be on notice. I keep telling people 80, I believe it was 80 million people voted for Trump, Mm -hmm. give or take. Let 80 million people watch your show one day and what happens? You're rich. Let 80 million people go from cause to cause to cause every day. 
80 million people donated a dollar to this yeah. very program that you have just tomorrow, yeah. you're set and we move on. So if we all decided we're going to give $365 to the cause every year, and we pick 365 different things to do every day, 80 million people, what could we accomplish? Yeah. So imagine what we can accomplish when 80 million people are signed up for the flick fest or even 2 million. What could, what, what's going to happen when we, because you guys know they, they took all the cop shows off of regular TV, right? Because of, you know, you, you couldn't watch cops anymore because, oh, it's making black people look bad. No, black people are making black people look bad. <laughs> right. But they want to blame the cops. How about we bring these shows back? So we're in, a, we're in production on some cop shows right now. So the point is, it's up to you. It's up to all of us. And it isn't about I, I watch Kevin. I watch movies or I don't watch movies. Get to the bigger picture of what it does to Hollywood. What what happens when you leave Netflix and, and you decide I'm going to do something with conservatives? What happens? What happens when you stop watching mainstream TV and you watch programs like yours? Everybody benefits. I love it. Now, uh, spell Flick Fest for me. It's T-H-E is the, and then Flick is F-L-I-C-K, Fest is F-E-S-T, the the theflickfest.com. Dot com. Very good. I didn't want there to be any confusion about that because the minute (laughs) one of those haters hears this, they're going to find a dummy way to spell it, you know, like a dummy site and- and, Sure. uh, you know, confuse people. You know, the the reason I cut down on a lot of TV is because of that. The Oscars, we used to watch the Oscars every year. Mm -hmm. I haven't watched them for three or four years. They've gone too political. Yeah. And I don't watch Saturday Night Live, too political. Mm -hmm. And I don't watch any of these uh, golden awards or anything because they're forcing stuff down our throat. I want to see a movie. I don't want, and and there's actors that I will not see a movie that these actors are in because of the same reason, because they're trying to be too political. Man, you look like you look like my twin brother right there, bro. It's so true, right? (laughs) You know, it's just Cheryl. I see why you're attracted to your husband. (laughs) Exactly. 36 years and running. Yeah, it's true. But it's true. I mean, you know, leave the politics out of what I'm sitting on my couch. If I want to watch a movie, I want to watch a movie. But here's the thing, it's but here's the problem with it, and no, you're exactly right, and we agree with that. But here's where it really gets bad. That politics is now in policing. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I mean, and, and we want to ignore it. We, we want to ignore it. Take it out of my movies. Forget taking mm-hmm. it out of your movies. How about we take it out of policing? Mm-hmm. Because that's where it's most dangerous. Here's the thing. To, a, a lot of things occur be, when you think about what happens when they've done what they've done to police. Number one, Blacks are not being protected. Mm-hmm. You already have to look at the color of policing. And wow. that's bad. So right. not only are police not protecting Black neighborhoods, they are concerned for their jobs. So that little bit of hesitation might get them killed, might get somebody else killed. So these types of, excuse me, these types of movies and activities are necessary Mm -hmm. to correct the record and to save people's lives. And I'll be honest with you, when I made this movie, I made it because the guy who was my original funder, uh, and for the record, I want people to understand, this wasn't some go out and get millions of dollars. What I had to make this movie on would astound you and i'm still upside down but i as i tell people all the time i didn't make this movie to make money i'm happy if i do but i made it to save lives i wanted to save lives of young black kids that have been taught that they need to go out and do stupid stuff 
and, and you know, and, and misbehave with a cop because it gave them street cred. Well, street cred and dead, mm. you know, that they're, they're, you know, that's a possibility if it's yeah. for you to be dead trying to get street cred. So it was done for that reason. But yeah, the, the, the fallout of these, of the politics, it's one thing to have politics in movies, but the politics and the reality of policing is people can die. Yes, right. absolutely. Uh, and so w- we were going to talk about, you know, what's happening with the culture in policing today. And, and I do think that there's that seeping in of, you know, political extreme, uh, political correctness to the extreme, right, to the detriment of making, you know, uh, good decisions of being able to convey ideas. Um, I, I thought I heard something recently, I- I'm probably going to screw this up. But, you know, the way that that uh, an officer on the scene has to describe maybe it's, you know, somebody that they're looking for, <laughs> it is shifted to such a way right. that it's like, it, it's a, it's a human-esque form, <laughs> right? And I don't want to describe anything else. Right. Because you can't I'm say gonna... it's a black dude. He's no, wearing, you know, no, you can't even say you, you don't want to assume their gender, right? right? So it's like, you can't say anything anymore. Um, and then we've got all the, the critical race theories stuff, the Marxism seeping in and, well, no, don't even go there first. Let's touch on this one, Cheryl. So you, according to Facebook, there's 51 or 70 genders, right? And anybody can be whatever they want to be. Rachel is Rachel Dolezal taught us and Elizabeth Warren. So imagine a cop doing that. I mean, that, see, I, I love the humor in this because that's leftism has gone completely amok. So imagine a cop going, well, the human form looked as if it could be non-cisgender or, you know, I think they, they call it non-binary is what they call it, right? They got all these crazy names for the stuff that they create. And he can't, I'm not sure what pronouns to use, is it Zha, Zhi, you know, whatever, because I certainly can't use he and she, because we all know that, that we aren't just males and females. And But just imagine this crazy scenario, and then pour on top of that, the politics of, uh, you know, guys want the mayor, or the police commissioner and people trying to get, you know, the dead by cop lotto, black folks or whatever, trying to get shot intentionally and all the other pressures of just being a police officer in general. And ask yourself, why is there a mass exodus from police, police departments all over the country? Well, there's your answer. Right. Like I could tell you stories. We talked to cops. I talked to a cop in Cleveland. He said to me, he says, Kevin, we were, we were just shooting the crap. It was a sergeant with his group because it was during the Republican convention. And there were thousands. I think they said there were 9,000 cops deployed when Trump got elected in 20, well, with the, the convention in 2016 in Cleveland. So I'm talking to these cops and this cop who's a, a sergeant, he said to me, he says, Kevin, if you're black, you practically have to beg to be arrested. <laughs> he says, you're smoking afraid. dope. He says, if I pull you over for weaving, you're smoking dope, you know, you ain't, you don't have a seatbelt on, you're drinking. He goes, unless you really get on my nerves, I'm gonna have to let you go. <laughs> and he and he he wasn't kidding. He goes, I don't want to deal Not with the right. Funny. Of- Why am I laughing? <laughs> I know, but, but it is funny in a crazy way. But he's like, I don't even want to deal with the paperwork. He goes, I don't want to hear you running your mouth. <laughs> you know, he goes, right. he's like. It is so, he goes, you practically, you know, you take a swing at me, I'm going to take you in. But other than that, you can curse me out. You can 
have maybe even have a, a warrant for like a traffic ticket or he goes not stopping you now fast forward to all these other crimes that are being ignored uh we've got joe biden and, and other people emptying prisons of illegals we've got i mean people wanted for rape armed robbery that cops aren't even calling in half the stuff i mean it's not even being reported what's the crime rate now in any given city i'll tell you it's up and it's up significantly mm-hmm. we had one of the worst rises in crime in 2020 uh, when biden got elected this year it's even up above that significantly mm-hmm. so what's the end game the end well it's it, so here's what's funny about it all this defund the police is now backfired. So Austin, Texas, which is the Berkeley of Texas, has now not only refunded the police, they gave them more money because you know what leftism is going to lead. It's going to lead to amazing amounts of criminality. Yeah. Well, when we see uh, Walgreens shutting down multiple <laughs> stores because people are walking in with calculators, I understand, to make sure that what they steal and just walk out the door with doesn't go above the threshold that they've been told by authorities. As long as you steal under, I think it's a thousand dollars, $950. So I can go $949 and 99 cents. Right. I guess before tax, what, I'm not sure. Tax. And no then, taxes. Don't worry about the taxes. We, we, so, we won't, we won't prosecute you on taxes. Yeah. We're just going to tax the rich, whoever the rich is. Right? right. So as long as I can steal that and walk out the door, scot-free. You can't call the what? place. You can't even call them. They won't come. What message You're exactly does right. that send? Well, the message to, is that Walgreens is closing their doors. Yeah. In to business owners, to the employees. But, okay. Who are but let's talk. There, let's, and let's to the continue. Officers. With, let's continue with the fallout. Where are these Walgreens being closed? You think these Walgreens are, are being closed in, and I don't know, let's just say this. Do you think they're closing Walgreens in Paradise Valley no. in Scottsdale? No. No. I'm no. They're closing Walgreens in whatever the bad area of Phoenix is, right? Yeah. So the, where are they closing these Walgreens in San Francisco? Not in Nancy Pelosi's neighborhood. Yeah. They're closing these Walgreens in mostly Black and Hispanic neighborhoods. Which is hurting them. Where, pardon me? And it's hurting their own community. Right. And so if you, if you, I saw a lady interview, she said, oh, black lady, she's like, what do they expect me to do? Where am I going to get my meds? Right. You know, where am I going to go to get the little sundries I need where I can right. walk to the Walgreens and pick this stuff up? Well, now she's got to get on a bus. Who knows? I don't know how an inconvenience is there, but it does. And by the way, in, in New York, they outlawed the, the big plexiglass screens, you know, because they said, it, it was insensitive to the to the black folks in in these areas in the in the minorities Puerto Ricans and what have you, where these store owners who were, you know, getting things stolen all the time. They said, no, you got to take all that stuff down. So, and look, I live I lived in the hood in St. Louis, and uh, I would go to this QT, and everything is behind plexiglass, and you have to tell them I want Wrigley's this gum those mm-hmm. chips and those mm-hmm. cigarettes or whatever, mm-hmm. and you slide it through the little, you know, that little mm-hmm. dip and, and they pay you, you know, money exchanges through this plexiglass that's bulletproof, et cetera. And that's the way it is almost across the board in these high crime neighborhoods. And that's the only way these stores can survive. And in New York City, where a, a small business owner 
has figured out and the only way for me to survive is I got to give you product myself. Now they're outlawed. And so you wonder, you know, why are these bodegas there? Because there's no Trader Joe isn't going to go there. Right. You know, the, the big grocery chain isn't going to go there. Starbucks isn't going to go there. Mm-hmm. Starbucks, just as an example, when um, I forget who his name, uh, I knew him at the time because I was I, I, I challenged him to a debate, uh, the former CEO. But I he he, he decided to put a Starbucks in Ferguson because, see, everywhere they put Starbucks, the price of the houses rise about two point three percent. Because they target certain neighborhoods where they want Starbucks. It's very relaxing if you go. Mm-hmm. They, they, they were going to make an example of Ferguson and put one store there. And I joked. I said, his name is Howard Schultz. Just hit me. There it I is. said, Howard, thank you for putting a, a, a Starbucks in the hood. And I'm, I'm sure you're going to get some fe- black female or you know midget to run it because you got to meet your quota. <laughs> but worse than that. That store doesn't even have to perform. That store could have zero sales. It could be rifled every day with goods, you know, practically giving it away. And you're not going to say a word. That person is impervious to being fired because it's going to be your little gift back to Black America. Well, see, that's enough. We've had this pat-pat for too long. How about the gift to Black America be? We start getting people back to Christian values. We start getting them back to being conservatives and caring about their communities and caring about their families and their kids go to these communities where cops don't want to go, but are forced to go. And you know what the people are doing? They're either trying to get out. They're happy that cops are there, but they're trying to raise their kids in war zones. They suffer from PTSD. It's I can't even tell you how bad it is. And we've been there. This is an anecdotal talk. I, I, I walk the walk. I go talking to these people. I grew up in these neighborhoods. So my movie is important because we are trying to stop this nonsense. And it's these, these woke, bourgeois, suburban leftist idiots who mm-hmm. think they're helping Blacks solve our problems. And I would just rather they get the hell out of the way mm-hmm. and let us start really working on solving our, fam- our problems the way that we should be solving them. I love it. That's awesome, man. We don't need to talk at all. You just keep on Kevin, because you, you're, you're hitting it on the nail, you know, I know, man, but I feel guilty when I'm, when I'm carrying the conversation this way. So I'm going to be quiet and let you know, no, 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 that's exactly why we brought you on here. Um, you know, the, the, the way that people's perception of policing has been vastly shifted and changed in just so few years. I'm the first yeah. time I think I heard anything that was sort of you know, uh, anti-police that I felt was, um, not, not well thought out, just kind of knee jerk, uh, happened under Obama. Right. And, and then it just kind of Obama black. He was, yeah, well, that's half. (laughs) Wasn't he trying to get all everything together and everybody working together. And that's that's what they claim. They claim that he was going to be transcendental. And, um, I call him baby black Jesus. You (laughs) Well, you will know them by their fruit and his fruit has not produced uh, unity at all. And now here we have, you know, Biden uh, 2.0 or what I mean, uh, Obama 2.0, whatever the Biden administration is. And, uh, you know, they say out of one side of their mouth, oh, we want to bring people together. And then every other thing they say just puts everybody in little square boxes. Yeah. So, So people look, the audience is realized. And, and Americans realize that 
That's a lie. These people are liars. They do not want unity. They love chaos. I tell people all the time that, do you understand that the mayor in a big city is really good friends with the biggest dope dealer in the city? Hmm. They're personal friends. The, the dope dealer donates massive money to the mayor's campaign indirectly. And he, he knows them as well as he knows his alderman or as a city councilman or whatever you know, name that those, those people go by in your city. The mayor knows this person. The chief of police knows the shot. They call him a shot caller. They, he knows a shot caller in every neighborhood. Hmm. And he knows how to get things done. They, they know who's over the unions, any crook. As much as we have what we think of as, as like solid government that's you know, lawful, I promise you that black market government is just as big as the one that you see. You just don't know who the governor is of this of, of uh, Compton. Mm-hmm. You don't know who the governor is of Eight Mile, but there's a governor there mm-hmm. and he's not elected. He took his job mm-hmm. and he works as closely with the governor as, as anybody else. He's, he's a, a constituency that you don't even think about and he's allowed to do this dirty work. And when they need him, he will bring the pastors. Let me tell you, these guys are funding the pastors. They're fun. They, I know a shot caller. He got killed in um, Grand Rapids, Michigan, young guy. And he ran his hood and some other gang members took him out. And this kid paid for, if a person was going to lose their house, he paid for it cash. If they couldn't get groceries, he, everybody brought their problems to him. Like he was the governor. This kid was shot and killed by a rival gang. The police commissioner, the mayor, all of them showed up to his funeral. Wow. Congressman showed up to this guy's funeral. Wow. I'm telling when I tell you, and people think I'm kidding when I tell them this law and, and unlaw are hand in hand. Now, in this case, this kid was, he, he used, he was dealing dope and all this other stuff. And he was truly doing stuff in the community. He had, he, people lauded this guy for the reasons that you might think. And he was doing bad things in terms of bringing dope, but he was doing good things in the community. And, and people recognized that. And they got this other gang that people went after him. They were like, how dare you kill our drug dealer? Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But that's the craziness that goes on in this alternative world. And we as conservatives, we don't understand that exists. We don't understand there is a counterculture to the culture. And, you know, Donald Trump did a pretty good job of exposing it, saying, guys, the reason why you put me in office and you don't care about my bankruptcies and you don't care about some of the things that I did is because I'm going to explain the game to you. And they hate that. But trust and believe that the people that tell you that they're for law and order, they're also for unlaw and this unlawfulness and disorder. And, and they use it. We, I would never send goons to attack your uh, rally or whatever you know, Biden might be doing. Trust me, the left relies on goons mm-hmm. to go to our rallies and stir up mess. January 6th, perfect example. Mm-hmm. We, we are law-abiding citizens across the board. We don't even think in conspiracy speak. These people know that, so they plant their goons. Anybody that's smart knows that this is exactly what happened on January the 6th. So I just want people to understand, you can't, everything that you see is not what you see. 
And you have to adapt a little bit of a conspirator's mind to understand what's really going on. As we say in a vernacular, game, no game. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you guys a quick story or two, just so you understand what I'm talking about. I was on Glenn Beck years ago, and I told Glenn, I said, I was training my cousin, my, I'm sorry, my nephew in martial arts, and it was teaching him how to use nunchucks. And he's, ta I'm talking to him, I'm explaining to him how you do it. And so he brings up Obama. And I said, well, you know, you probably voted for Obama. He says, oh, no, man, I ain't vote for no Obama. I saw him coming and he was using, you know, language of the street. And I said, really? He said, no. And so he goes, man, he goes, Obama don't know nothing about the streets. And, and, he, and he's telling me stories. So he says, like, when I had to shoot my best friend, <laughs> I go, do tell. Right. And he, says, he says, well, my nephew, younger nephew, he says, when my young, his, my younger brother, who's my nephew, I'm not saying any names, but he said he, he went because my best friend was dating my sister, my niece, he says, and he, he beat her up. And my younger brother heard about it before I heard about it. So he was going to go shoot my best friend. He goes, well, I go to my best friend's house and he, I'm, get, I'm calling him up like, hey, man, I'm coming to the house. When I pull up to the house, he comes out and takes off running. So he goes, so I knew I had to shoot him. Oh my God. Now, I'm going to stop there just to let you soak in what yeah. I just told you. Yeah. So he goes on. He says, well, I said, you had to shoot him. He's like, yeah, man. He goes, because I don't know what's up, but I know my best friend shouldn't be running for me. Hmm. So I'm going to shoot him, but I'm not going to shoot him in the head because that would kill him. I'm going to shoot him in the stomach so he knows I'm not trying to kill him. Oh and, then we're, and then we're square. Now, the reason I tell you this is because there are people listening to the program going, what the, yeah. right? Yeah. That's the streets. Mm -hmm. That's a whole different mentality of the way you learn how to deal with things. Mm -hmm. It's like going to prison. There are prison rules. Yes. Okay. So there are, there are rules on the street that people don't know about. Well, cops have to know this. Cops have to know all this nuance. They got to know things that you, they got to know and see things that I swear to you, you don't want to know and you don't want to see. Mm -hmm. and we have to do our part to protect them. They have the most dangerous job mm -hmm. in the world. Mm -hmm. And they get up every morning and they do it happily for, as we mentioned earlier, it's a calling yeah. and they have to deal with bureau. Criminals don't have a bureaucracy. Criminals <laughs> don't have a, a criminal camp. <laughs> Very simple, Criminals, right? Right. They don't have don't a criminal have? review board. <laughs> we need to have those, right? Right. I mean, criminals don't have a mayor that they report to that says, hey, why'd you do it? You, do you know how you made my life miserable? You know, in this, they don't have media scrutiny. We, we, you know, but we hear cops need to have more oversight. For what? How about we have criminal oversight and we begin, begin it by not creating criminals? Mm -hmm. And I want to say one final thing, which is, Black people have no more propensity for criminality than any other race of people. The mm -hmm. criminals in Japan are not black. They're Japanese. Mm -hmm. The criminals in China are not black. They're Chinese. Criminality is based on circumstance. And we've put black folks in circumstances that lead to more criminality. Well, we ought to stop that. And the best, the best group to do that are police to show number one, it's, a, it's an honorable job. The same way teaching used to be an honorable job and many of these other careers that are sadly not anymore. Mm -hmm. So my final plug is check out bleedingbluemovie.com. 
buy a cop a ticket. We have a, a, a place for you can do that and support police, period. And if you want to go further, and I hope that your audience does, support what we do to change the narrative of pop culture, which is theflickfest.com. By the way, I want to say this on the FlickFest. Our movies are spectacular. This isn't like you're doing me a favor. Get on that site. Mm-hmm. Watch a few movies. A lot of them are shorts. They're 10, 20 minutes. A short is anything under 40 minutes. Watch a couple of these. Watch Act Two, which is an amazing love story. Uh, there's one called Something the Dog. It won our award for the best film we had on at the time. It's got uh, Steven Weber in it, who you might know from Wings. Unbelievably good movie. Hysterical. There's great movies on there. And we load probably 50 movies a month, as many as Netflix. So check it out. And if you like it, stay with it. And I hope people do. I hope people, if you don't like it, stay with it. But I know you will. I love it. That's well, fantastic. before we go, I, I got to tell you, Kevin, and you, you just, so I, I don't want to go one up on you, but when you were talking about the guy that was a drummer that quit with Sammy Davis Jr. to become a cop, I got one better than that. Oh, can really? You, okay. Can you believe? that a guy that worked for me <laughs> quit to be a cop. <laughs> me, man. Okay. Come on. I okay. Mean, hands down, I, dude. Right. Right. I mean, <laughs> mind blown. Right. right. <laughs> and it's like, we encourage, you know, the thing is we encouraged him, you know, he said, I want to be a cop. So we, we helped him to do whatever we could do to get him in. And now he's a police officer and I'm very proud to know him and he's doing a great job. That's but, awesome, yeah. man. You know, look, I, I think that is so wonderful. That's a great story for you that, you know, you, you know, that mentoring and whatever it was, it made him decide to just to, to do that. And I don't know what level of influence you had. I'm sure it was a nudge because a lot of times it's their fathers or, you know, an uncle was or something like that, but whatever it took. And the fact that you and continue to encourage him to go that route. And I would say we, we're going to need him more than ever. DeSantis is offering $5,000. I think if you'll come and, and be a cop in, in a Florida. So I he, saw that. Yeah. That'd be a rich environment for your movie if you don't, if you haven't already, you know, canvassed Florida. We're, we're doing a, a TV show called um, Off the Cuff. And it's a bunch of old cops that retired and the statute of limitations have run out on any bad doings <laughs> that they've done. And they speak off the cuff about what they did to get bad guys off the street. And I'm going to tell you, wow. <laughs> That's what I got to tell you. These stories about what these guys did, they were like, yeah, yeah, I planted dope on him. He was a drug dealer. <laughs> you know, it was, it, you know, and, and, and what's funny about the stories is you, you, while you go, oh, that's horrible, man. You, you, you did. He goes, yeah. But when you get to the end of it, like the dude was a 12 time rapist, you know? Mm-hmm. So yeah, we were going to get him off the street, you know, one way or the other. So you, you end up going, wow way to go you know <laughs> so yeah it, it's it, so it's cops admitting their bad deeds but at the end of it you go i'm so glad you did that yeah right, right. no i understand how many more women had to be raped how many more people right. needed to be shot killed you know etc so yes. yeah it, it's a it's a very revealing show so we're just you know i'm not saying i'm strictly deal, dealing with cops my whole mission for my brand if you will which we rebranded from the black sphere to the Kevin Jackson network.com because somebody said I was cute. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so 
we rebranded because we I wanted people to understand we're about education. So I have a nonprofit for education called Seeking Educational Excellence. But we have the movie stuff. And I'm, I make movies, but I make movies that are meant to educate, to tell you something you didn't know and, and you know, increase your, I don't know, you're making you a better American, I guess is the best way to put it. Yeah. So we educate on all these different things. So that's what our brand is about, is ending identity politics and making sure people are educated across a, a, a host of different ideas. Mm-hmm. And so that's why the rebranding occurred. And, um, and, the, and the movie is just one piece of that. So whether it's pop culture and the, the flick fest, it's a re-education. Don't trust Hollywood. You know, give the little guy a shot again. And let, let us show you that there's a, there are people out there who want to just make good films. And, and I could go on. So that's what it is. Mm-hmm. So anyway, people that want to know where to contact me for everything, thekevinjacksonnetwork.com shows everything we do. That is fantastic. And mm-hmm. I'm so excited to watch the movie. And I, I can just tell from this conversation that, you know, you understand that everything is not, you know, a dichotomy, that there are lots of shades of gray. There are a lot of nuances in our world. And uh, I personally enjoy watching, reading those kinds of things because, you know, it helps keep me balanced, helps keep me centered. So I can't peg too far out in any one direction, but uh, very excited about this. Kevin, thank you very much. My pleasure. Great, great interview guys. And uh, anything I can do to help you uh, don't hesitate to ask. Fantastic. Same here. Kevin Jackson of the Kevin Jackson network.com. Did I do it right? You did it. (laughs) All right. Thanks so much. We will definitely be in touch soon. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Wow. Full energy. Hey, you know what? We ran late. We are running late, but man, there was no stopping that train once it got going. That was so fun and so engaging. And uh, I... I really do enjoy talking to people who are not so wrapped around the political correct wheel that, you know, it really becomes sort of like a, you know, a plastic kind of a conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, he really digs into some things. And I, I think that uh, I think I definitely want to have him back on. Right. And I, I want to tell him about the flickfest.com after we get that because mm-hmm. I'm into short stories because mm-hmm. of time. Yeah, you know, it's you're, you're tired. To you don't want to go to bed. But two hours you know, right. to watch a movie. It's so it's I'm weird. looking forward to. And the fact that it's a non-political, you know, it's not going to be like Hollywood. Well, he didn't say non-political, right. just but not he's not like just Hollywood. Saying, and here's the thing I was going to say about the actors and actresses that get all political and puffed up on themselves on the the Oscar stage as they're accepting their award and whatnot. Is we didn't give you the award. You know, the you, the award wasn't won based on you know, your stance on uh, Greta Thunberg right. and in the, you know, the Green New Deal or whatever, that is not what you're getting the award for. You're getting the award because you've studied hard and you've learned how to master your craft. And, then and you did a good job is, with that particular job. Yeah. And then what is your craft? Oh, yeah. Acting. Your craft is taking somebody else's words, putting them in your mouth and making them believable. So really do, unless we know that you have a specific, um, you know, area that you have studied yourself and you have a a particular uh, level of, you know, expertise in, 
honestly, I don't really care that you're able to deliver a convincing line about the Green New Deal and Greta Thunberg. Well, wait a minute. What if and gun control? What if in a couple of years we find out that this whole thing was acting Mm -hmm. and that there's going to be an Oscar for that? And the winner is going to be who? For their acceptance for their, speeches? For their, for the, it's all a game, right? The winner of the greatest acceptance speech goes to... Yeah, that's the fantastic. The greatest political acceptance exception speech. I love it. We go to, I think you're on to something. Well, it'd be hard because there's too many of them that's doing it. It's true. All right. We got to get out of here. Let's go. If you want to watch more of these kinds of interviews with uh, subject matter experts on cutting the cord between you and the government, any kind of freedom, uh, you know, politics, you know, all these kinds of things you can go to, uh, if you like watching them, go to our YouTube channel and Mm -hmm. then click subscribe. And then everybody says, smash the notification button. I would like you to very delicately, uh, with, with lots of class, lift your pinky in the air and, and press the notification. How much does that cost? Nothing. Right? Our favorite price ever. So that's on YouTube. We're also on gunstreamer.com. We are on the smartphone app called Ops Lens. And if you like listening to just the audio only version, because you know, you're out doing things, you or know, you don't you're want not to see glued me. to a screen or what? They don't want to see me. They don't want, oh, that's impossible, honey. Yes, Everybody tunes in to see you. Yes. Uh, then you can go to our website. You click gunfreedomradio.com. Come, click the on-demand tab and binge listen to your heart's content, darling. And um, really, until next time, I, I just want to um, thank our awesome guest, Kevin Jackson. I want to thank our amazing viewers and listeners all over the planet. Wherever there is internet, we have viewers and listeners. Your time is your most finite commodity. When you spend it with us, we notice it. It's valued. Thank you. And uh, what else are we going to do until next time? You're going to listen to the words coming out of my mouth. Pray for our nation. Pray for our leaders. Even those mysteriously ones that we don't like. Yes. Maybe especially for the ones that we don't like. Right? Especially. Especially. They definitely need prayer. And we need to be in a prayerful state as we in encounter and engage them and think about them right that's what i'm saying all right till next time be good to each other have a great week adios god bless bye-bye